lawyer talk. Off the record, back on the air right now, part two of the vaping special. That's what we're going to call this. Or what's it? Maybe the vaping special is good enough. But, you know, we got we got a lot more ground to cover on this. We got a lot more to talk about on this. And, uh, you, you know, guys, there, there's a we hit we hit last time i think we talked about what is vaping generally we talked about how your your guys business work we talked about the kid component and the government interest in keeping that somewhat under control we talked about uh, potential government regulations that might even smash this business altogether although since our last uh discussion on this i have doubts that that would happen uh we even gave a little whiff no pun intended of uh big tobacco uh, we talked about uh, THC, CBD, vape, lots of good stuff. We oh, briefed yeah. on a lot of stuff. We, we did. briefed on a lot of stuff. And, you know, at this point, I suppose I should encourage everybody to call in, phone in, send in questions uh, about vape and what, or even comments because I am curious about this. Look, I'm, I've been practicing law for a number of years. I've followed government regulation. Those who have listened to all these shows know that I have a certain political bent about government intervention into uh, our lives and, uh, and, and, and how I feel about that. But I, I think at the end of the day, I'm fascinated with this, this industry because it's like, it's got this David and Goliath type feel to it. It's got this feel that it, you got a lot of little guys out there earning a living, a good living, uh, on this. You've got a lot of people who have, uh, gotten a lot of benefit out of this in the sense that, uh-huh. They are not smoking cancer sticks or chewing on a wad of tobacco that will cause cancer. Uh, they are instead they're vaping. Now, you know, one drug is, uh, is substituted for another, I suppose, but it is not the same. And as promised last time, we're gonna we're gonna talk about popcorn. We're gonna talk about CBD. We're gonna talk about marijuana. Uh, we're going to talk about maybe the future a little bit of uh, the industry and where you, how you guys feel about it because, you know, Jared, you've made a livelihood out of this now for five, six, seven years, and you know you're you're staring at the precipice of of the government smashing it out. This month is our uh, my fifth year complete completion of the fifth year completion under, yeah. under, under year six. Yep. Yeah, and. A lot of others still, too. And I think you told me when we started talking the other day about this industry and where, I mean, seriously talking beyond just house business, um, you guys mentioned that uh, your uh, people are closing down. Oh, yeah. There's a number of places, a number of vape stores that have closed down. Uh, a lot of that started out when these regulations and filings came in. Uh, people kind of ran from it. Like I said, when it, whenever it opened up, it was the Wild West to a point. And you were allowed to do anything you wanted to do. Uh, I mean, down to there were stores that would mix your liquid. Uh, Buckeye Vapor, I don't, are they still running? Uh, I, I haven't know. heard anything about I, them I for a heard, while. I haven't heard about them in a while. Um, I knew some of the, not personally, but I knew who they were, the owners, and, and go through on that. And they were able to mix the liquids right in the store, like put a little of this, a little bit of this, a shot of this, shake this bottle up, here you go. There you go. It's like witch's brew, man. Yep. <laughs> and then, you know, the industry started to regulate itself. You know, it started to come together with rules and regulations and putting together and... Market economics. I love yes. it. <laughs> and, well, you know, right. and, and it came down to the point where people come in asking questions about our liquids because some places could make it, some places made their own. 
We let them know that all of our product was third-party tested. Absolutely. And that, you know, follows all the, you know, I mean, the AMSA regulations. And, and we could show them what was in the product, how it was made. It was made in a safe lab. And that right there wasn't government mandated at the time. It is now. But at the time, it was not. But as, as somebody that's selling a product, I want, I want to keep a customer. I'm never looking to make one sale. I'm looking to earn a customer. You know, it's interesting. Um, you, whenever the big bad government gets involved in something, I think there's a notion that it is safe. I think there's a there's a societal feeling that somehow if the government puts its its stamp on it, uh, and in this situation maybe the FDA or, or whoever, even agriculture as we get into as we get into the marijuana part of it, but uh, if they put their rubber stamp on it and approve it, then it's somehow safe. Um, they did that with cigarettes. Yeah. In, in some fashion and regulated them. And, and so now you've got a government that is regulated, monitored, and, and, and in a lot of ways controlled how cigarettes are sold. And uh, they've, didn't, they've done that with alcohol, even through, to the point of a constitutional amendment going back and forth. And uh, they've regulated how and what you can do and sell. And both of those, I think, have been somewhat disastrous, if, if, you, if you really want to get my opinion on it. But uh, on the other hand, if they didn't, then uh, you, got, you got the danger of somebody mixing their own, in the vape part of it anyway, mixing their own and ended up with something a little shady. But you guys, um, you guys said your industry in a lot of ways or at first was self-regulated. So you wanted to sell product that was uh, good or at least uh, to best your knowledge what it should be. And you've worked with even to the point where your own, you are a you have a distribution company to sell it wholesale to others, and so you have been at the labs or have a, have an understanding of how it's how your product is made anyway. The labs I've been to are very impressive. I mean, you walk into a changing room where they have a, a you know air blow down on you, blow anything off that's in there, and then you have to put on your suit. It's kind of like a zip-up suit that you go over, gloves. Oh, yeah. You have to put your hair net on. You have to put a, a breathing mask on. And, and to go through just to even take a tour of where the labs are, where they're being made. And that right there with their air filtration system and, and what they are running and bottling and manufacturing is a lot better than just some guy making it in his basement. Yeah, I, I, I certainly I, I have to agree with that. I mean, even if it has just the appearance of, of some sort of uh, legitimate chemistry, it's got to be better than a dude uh, yeah. mixing up his, uh, his suicide concoction in the basement, you know? So I, I think at the end of the day, this is, I guess my lawyer talk perspective, this is going to end up heavily regulated or maybe not heavily, but regulated, uh, by the federal government. Um, it'll be controlled. Uh, the time, place and manner of sales will probably end up under some sort of regulatory scheme. Um, and right now it's already got the seeds of that planted. I think we left off last time where, there was an edict of sorts down from the federal government that said every product uh, on or before X date, uh, if it's not registered, if it's if the government doesn't have the recipe or, or, or what's in it and with a name, a number, a registration, and um, the artwork. Yeah, you, you have down to the artwork. You, down the to the artwork. You yeah. have labeling done, and once you filed for it, no changes could be made. If a right. change is made, it has to be removed. It's illegal to sell. All right, and and you, uh, I guess I'm just talking this through of all how this in my maybe um, lawyer anti-government regulatory brain, I see problems coming because if you guys have products on the market right now, by you guys I mean the industry, 
And you, the industry has those already registered and sort of categorized and, and set in. And they can't be changed. And the only way that they can be changed is if you change the government regulations. You have essentially stifled uh, not only the creative process of the vape ma- makers, um, because, look, any, any creative, what are you going to do now, right? You can't make anymore. So uh, you basically have the government telling you, we're going to freeze this in time. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and you've got another potential problem, and that's going to segue nicely into what we're going to talk about here, and that is what if there is a change that needs to be made to a product like this for everybody's health? What if, for instance, just hypothetically, vape manufacturer lab says, oh, I don't like this part of my vape liquid. I think I could do it better. I could I could eliminate somebody's concern about something by changing a little component to this, or I could tweak it here or tweak it there, remove something that uh, is not needed to make it so it's not got five but four chemicals. I mean, I, I'm just speculating here. Um, the fact is, because of the way this regulatory scheme has unfolded, that essentially eliminates any ability to do that. And the government uh, has now sort of stifled not only the creative process, but any uh, remediation pro- process that might happen uh, that would be caused by what you mentioned when you first sat down for this part of it anyway, which is the market regulated itself in some ways when you wanted to sell a product and earn a living selling a product long term that was good. And that meant, I, I imagine, that you tried different things to get it as safe as you could as with the best flavor that you could get it, with the best efficiency that you could make it, whatever, you know, whatever the stuff that the free market creates, uh, that happened and now it's frozen in time. So like often here, I have segued into my anti-socialist governmental diet. Coca-Cola would have to have kept cocaine in their drink. Yeah. To make it this way. Yeah. They would have not been allowed to sell a Coca-Cola unless it had cocaine in it. So if, you, if you removed it, then you change the recipe and you would file the recipe with the FDA and we approved the recipe. Well, and that's the other thing, too. The funny bit on this is they have not been approved. They've just been filed. They have been filed. Yeah. Now, the can has been kicked till 2022. Yes. And uh, what's his name for uh, who's who said that? Where did I read recently, Jared, where he said, well, I, I've, I right now the date is 2022, but... If the ever-increasing numbers of, of youths or minors using vape uh, continues at the pace it's at, it's going to be sooner rather than later, maybe even this year. Uh, I'm drawing a total blank on his name. It's uh, it's it's, it's Gottlieb's, yeah. I do you believe? Gottlieb's. Yeah, Gottlieb. Gottlieb. Well, and the thing about that is before Gottlieb, we had the other chief of, of the DEA that came out with all these, we must end it, we have to end the vaping, you know, we're going to put it down, and the 16th, this filing's done. Well, he got reclused of his job because he was a former president of a large manufacturer of, of pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. He was a pharmaceutical manufacturer, so he's in there bending laws, moving things around to his last profession. Yeah. So he got put out, a new guy got put in, and the new guy that got put in, Gottlieb, he went through his testings, and, and first he was, you know, pro-vaping. He's like, this is 
the the numbers are astronomical about the health risk and things that we will save and and keep together by people using this instead of smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Now he's kind of turned a little bit because a lot of people are freaking out about they're like the 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 teen vaping the teen vaping is on such this rise that either it has to stop or in 2020 I may shut it down. I got a couple of comments on that. The first would be to me. Um, if the teen vaping is on the rise, I would want to, I would hope somebody in the vaping industry could show me a corresponding de- decrease in teen smoking or other tobacco use. Now, again, this is sort of like the three things that we talked about last time. It's like, you know, you have on one hand people that never would have smoked, and the other hand people are going to smoke anyway. And then you've got these people who would have smoked, but now they're vaping, and maybe some of those would never have done either. You know, there's, a, there's, it is not a direct correlation, I wouldn't think, but I would also hope that the teen tobacco use numbers would be dropping as the vaping numbers go up. And that will offset some of the complaints that you would have. Now, the other, the other, I guess if I'm playing devil's advocate to you guys, if I'm arguing the counter response, I would say, well, look, um, it's a great product to help people get off cigarettes. You know, that, that would be the rational argument that I would expect to come from somebody rationally looking at this problem. Like smoking is a huge societal problem. It creates a lot of cost in uh, medical care and, and, and on all levels. And uh, for, why don't we use vape positively to get rid of that? Um, but, of course, we're not going to hear that, I don't think. <clears throat> we're not going to hear that. No, there's too much money involved in it. There's too much <laughs> there's, money. There's, you know, big tobacco <laughs> wants to get in there, and there's lobbyists, and, and, and there are people that have to listen to them. And if you go through here, on the 2017 study, the the CDC also runs every two years called the Youth Risk Behavioral Surveillance. Now, on that in the 2017, and this is, I remember taking this, uh, I'm going to have to say I was probably maybe a junior in high school the first time I saw it or somewhere around there. I guess it it first came out in 1990 is when this started coming out. And they were like, don't worry, don't put your name on it, just fill this out, you know. It was just, you know, questions on, on, on what your behavior is and what you do. Yeah, I remember that. So now, while on this, in the, the latest one there, in 2017 it came out, which there will be another one. Uh, 18, they won't do it. So 19, they will do another, uh, you know, survey. Now, on that, here's a text and email while driving. 39.2% of all that filled out that this form, the survey, said they'd do that. Use alcohol. 29.8%. Use marijuana, 19.8%. Bullied at school, 19%. Abuse pain prescription meds, 14%. Attempt suicide, 7.4%. And as small as that number sounds, that's kind of that's, a scary large that's a number, big number to me. Yeah. <clears throat> um, vape regularly, 3.3%. This is the epidemic. They have said that teen vaping right now is an epidemic at 3.3% whenever you have 39.2 texting while driving. And that's as bad as drunk driving. Yeah, so yeah. This, is, this, is the, this, is one of the, this is one of the problems I have generally with stuff like this or, or government uh, response to this or societal response to this is that it usually, usually we can look behind the motivations for this and find maybe money or some other thing or power or something behind it. Uh, because it just doesn't make any sense 
the sky is not falling here on vape, I don't think. I don't think there's an epidemic, at least not by the definition I would have. I think there is definitely a, an issue if you don't want your kids spending money on vape and sneaking out and doing it behind your back. I, I certainly agree 100%. I do not want my kids to vape. I don't, th- I don't want them to ever start. With all due respect to your business, I'd prefer not to give you money that way anyway. I don't, um, I don't want the kids. And, I don't, I, and that's the whole thing that they're fighting on here. I don't understand what is problem with the people selling to them. ID it, go through it. What is the percent? You're not well, going to lose any money. Even no. if even if you don't want to sell to kids, kids are going to get it. They're going right? to get it. They're going to yes. get it Correct. from their dad. They're going to get it from their buddy who's 21. They're going to get it, just like we got alcohol when we weren't allowed to buy it. They're going to get it. This product exists. So here's here's this is sort of like the gun control debate to me. The product exists. It's out there. It's being created in vast quantities. It is being distributed in vast quantities. There's not going to be a magic strike of the governmental pen or wand and uh, make it all disappear. It will still be out there. People will still make it. It will still be available. It'll be available on the black market or in some other way, and kids will get it anyway. Um, So I, I see other motivations behind this. And maybe it's the fact that you got big tobacco waiting in the wings and they've got a really strong lobby to um, to to create their space, so to speak, to enter the market when it comes time. Um, maybe pharmaceutical companies have an interest in this in some way, shape or form to use it as a quit smoking uh, spiel. Uh, or maybe it just hasn't been that well thought out. But right now we've got a government involvement that has frozen the industry in time, so to speak. Um, it is discouraged, in fact, prohibited any improvement on the products, at least as they currently stand. Uh, and we're just waiting on big tobacco. Now, here's where here's where I'm going to throw another word into it. And I'm just going to I'm going to throw out popcorn lung. How many people go to bed at night thinking, man, I hope I don't get popcorn lung. The old popcorn lung. Oh, yeah. That really got a run out there. Whoever marketed the popcorn lung did well with it. Oh, yeah. And uh on that, this popcorn lung is uh, popcorn lung is not actually the disease. It's a kind of a nickname, like Luke Garrick's disease, and it came from a butter popcorn factory that people that worked there, five of them, five people out of a large amount of people worked in this factory, all got this popcorn lung. Now, is it diacetyl? Am I saying that correctly there? Diacetyl. Diacetyl. Diacetyl was the, is the, uh, the shorthand or the chemical that, uh, that was identified. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So here's what, here's what this is. Here's, here's what I understand this to be. Um, there is a flavoring in microwave popcorn to make it taste like buttery goodness that you get at the movie theaters. And there was a factory that their job was to make that stuff. And to make that stuff, they added the flavoring. To make the flavoring, they added diacetyl, um, or no, diacetyl, right? Uh, and that, I guess, in some in lar- in some quantity, causes this condition called popcorn lung. Now, that's not the only thing that causes popcorn lung. So let's start there. Um, the symptoms of popcorn lung: dry cough, shortness of breath. These will show up between two weeks and two months after you've been around uh, whatever is the causing agent. Um, it basically, it's a condition that damages your lungs, the smallest airways, and makes you cough and feel short of breath all the time. I suspect it probably feels like somebody with asthma. Um, it's uh, something uh, caused by breathing in a chemical. So here's where they're talking about the popcorn. Something caused by breathing in a chemical uh, used to flavor microwave popcorn. Um, other things, though, can cause it, as it says right here. Uh, and there's, they list this parade of awful things that if you're exposed to them, uh, you're gonna, you can get it. 
Uh, diacetyl is a flavoring, they say, in popcorn. It has also been found in the uh, electronic cigarette flavors, many of them, it says. Um, it can be found in the smoke. Uh, another common cause is acetaldehyde, they say. That's a chemical found in the smoke from marijuana. Um, acetaldehyde also is a byproduct as your body does uh, deals with alcohol. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now, but uh, it can also damage the lining of your mouth, throat, and stomach, uh, acetaldehyde anyway. Uh, formaldehyde, apparently, ammonia, chlorine, nitrogen oxide, hydrochloric acid, sulfur, mustard, a chemical weapon known as mustard gas can cause popcorn lung. So if you do come out with a case of popcorn lung and you don't vape, maybe you've been gassed, <laughs> perhaps. Right now, they have no findings of anybody that received this from vaping. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I did, I heard this, and this is part, this is what got me, this is what raised my eyebrows about this uh, this vaping stuff is because I got a, a series of emails from the school district. And right there at the top, it's, a, you know, it causes popcorn lung. Vaping is not safe. It is not a safe alternative to smoking. It causes popcorn lung. Now, first of all here, the millions of listeners should know I am not a doctor. We are not doctors. We are not telling you it is safe. I'm not telling you it is not safe. I'm telling you we are just talking about what people are saying and doing and uh, what I have gleaned from my various uh, sources. But uh, in other words, don't take this that you can vape safely. I have no freaking clue. Uh, although I do think that some of this is, may have been a bit overstated for impact. You, for, you forwarded district. me the, the, the email and it had yeah. multiple videos on there, police officers talking. Right. And I watched all the videos, and then you, you, know, you, you sent it to me like, what do you think of this? And I went through them, and then I, I told you, I was like, well, there's a few things that make sense that they were saying in there. I said, but there was a lot of things that they were giving you misinformation and blatantly wrong information. Yeah, so I made a couple calls to a couple sources uh, in a couple places. And I wanted to know a little bit about this popcorn lung and, and what it really is. Well, it turns out that that condition of popcorn lung, uh, at least at that factory, those folks who got it, I'm told, um, were exposed in enormous quantities of, of uh, this diacetyl. I mean, absolutely. Enormous years. Over of, a long period of time. A long period of time of working there. Yeah, and I think it was sort of described to me like in their pores, in their lunch, in their food, in the air, in the, it, just everywhere. It was, a, it was just everywhere. And just the way it was handled in that factory, it was very unique. Now, what, what I also gleaned and learned is that that chemical also is contained in other things. And you know what it is? You know what's in primarily? What's that? Cigarettes. Huh. And cigarettes? Cigarettes. How many people have died of popcorn lung and cigarettes? None that I could find. None that we could find. Is there no, I have not seen any case. Now look, I am not a professional scientific researcher. I have not done vast studies on this, but uh, I certainly would think that if people were dying in an alarming rate from popcorn lung as a result of smoking, then we would know. Now, the corollary quickly, I would quickly dismiss this on the other side by saying, yeah, come on, people are dying from cigarettes before they would ever get popcorn lung. But I can always respond and say, yeah, but what about the dude who's smoked for 30 years or 40 years or 60 years or his whole life? Um, four packs, camel, no filters, and uh, a day, and never got cancer, never got popcorn lung. Because everybody knows that story. It's like, oh, my dad never got cancer. He smoked his whole life. Uh-huh. Um, it, so, you know, you're going to find 
all sorts of things about that. But in the main, there is a lot more of that stuff, that nasty popcorn lung causing stuff in cigarettes than there ever was or is in vape. Now, I say was or is because I did some more poking around and I actually talked to one of the lab guys who makes this stuff. I'm not mentioning any names here, but um, he at least has taken the initiative to remove that diacetyl from all or most of his products. So it's like if you're going to go vape, chances are at your store anyway, Jared, you're not getting that stuff in the vape that you purchase. If there's a chance, why take it? You mean if there's a chance of a problem? There's a chance of a problem, even though there's no proof backing it up. People are concerned about it. Remove it. Just don't have it in your product. It takes a little bit more time at work, but it's fairly easy. Like we said on to the lab tech that we were talking to, he had purchased another company that had some of one of their flavors. He wanted to not use it, so he goes to the flavor company and says, hey, can you mimic this flavor without these ingredients? Guess what they did? They made the flavor taste the same without those ingredients. Right. No, no one's the wiser, right? So it's not something, I guess, that is necessarily perceptible to the end user of whether it's got uh, that stuff in it or not. So it, it was, look, I'm not saying that that stuff is good to have in vape. I'm not saying it's good to have in cigarettes. I'm not saying vape is healthy. I'm not saying it's, un, I don't know, but I do know this. The, the biggest thing that was thrown at me with the, you know, the, the alarmist, the sky is falling vengeance was popcorn lung. And I had no idea what the hell it was until I looked it up. I had no idea what the hell caused it until I figured that out. And then it turns out it's not in the vape that is getting sold, at least in your store. So it's really sort of remarkable that that has become the poster child for no vape is popcorn lung when really uh, whatever would cause popcorn lung is no longer in vape or if it ever was. And as I understand it, it was only like in vanilla type flavor. It wasn't in all the It was like custard, cream flavors, the butteriness, the the, the, the those kind of flavors would be in there. And it's probably, I think, I didn't check this, I should. Is it still in microwave popcorn? I'll bet it is. Oh, I'm sure it is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure it is. is. I'm, I'm sure they haven't changed so, it. Their fight on that was that uh, it's okay to eat it, but not inhale it. Not inhale it. All right. Was well, was was their claim on it? So every time you're smelling your popcorn, plug your nose. <sighs> I mean, be careful. I, that's the point. I'm not saying this stuff's good for you. I, I, I not at all. But if if you're going to create uh, policy and regulation premised on it, at least understand what the heck it is and what it's doing and, and how much you're getting and how much is needed to cause the problem. You know, it's like this is this is one-on-one stuff. And that just sort of suggests to me that either A, people don't know what the hell they're talking about. B, people don't care what they're talking about because no matter what, they've got an agenda to get rid of this stuff. Um, or C, they know something I haven't read and I, I don't know what it is, but it's uh, probably some combination of all of it, I suppose. But well, I mean, we at the shop, at the very least, we've been aware of the quote-unquote popcorn lung problem for like four or five years. I mean, that was something that was told to me when I first started Advanced Vapor. It was something we heard about. Yeah. And then it seemed to like go away for several years where you didn't hear talk about it at all, but it's really only been the past like year and a half, two years where it's popped up again. And I imagine you got lots of people getting sort of pushed in with O2 tanks and uh, tubes and everything else because they got popcorn loan from vaping and they can't stop. We do not have that. We have, have had customers that came in with O2 tanks yep. that come into our store now. And they don't. Where they don't. From cigarettes. From cig- yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, we got this one customer and she is she is so wonderful. I love her to death. And she's been coming in since since day one. 
And uh, she uses a, a device that produces a very large cloud, and she uses a very large amount of nicotine. Yes. And she's been coming into our store for over four years now. And I remember a few times I was always like, hey, do you want to try? I was always trying to lower her nicotine level. And she, nope, she wanted this. And one time I think she did try a lower nicotine level. She came back in. And uh, whenever she shows up with her husband, that's always good news because <laughs> they're going to spend some money. Yep. Because she, like I used to say, I hid my cigarettes all over the place. She always has three vapes on her. When she goes on vacation, she likes to take a brand new one in the package in her luggage just in case something goes on. She takes cruises. She, you know, she snowbirds it. She's, we just, I just saw her back the other day. She just came yep. back in town. And, uh, but her husband came to me and he said, hey, Jared, it's like, I appreciate you, you know, trying to get her to lower the nicotine level. But we weren't able to take trips a year ago. He's like, she was on oxygen that we had to carry around every day. Since she has been vaping, she, I have my wife back. We can travel. She can walk around. She has energy. He was like, and she sleeps with one of those in her hands. And she's told me that too. Like literally she sleeps with a vape and I don't know her age. I'm going to guess it's, if she's 80? upper 80, maybe 80 years old. I'd say wow. 80. And, uh, he was like, so if she wants the full, full force nicotine, he was like, I have seen the results in the difference between vaping and smoking. And I am totally happy with this. He also has to come in when she's buying a new thing because she doesn't want to work on it. Yeah. We have to show him yeah. how the whole device works and, and the go through <laughs> on, on everything on there. But, you know, it was kind of nice. He came to me and said, I appreciate you trying to, you know I mean? Because once again, I wasn't pushing more nicotine. I was always no. kind of like, you know, you're getting there. Maybe we should go down on the levels. Well, let me, you know, this is interesting. This is, this is done. My, my lawyer brain never shuts off. So let me just play, let me, let me just play a little game here. Like if I had somebody on the other side of vaping and I'm trying to say, ask questions that would be designed to maybe expose some weaknesses in all this uh, anti-vaping stuff. And, and again, I, I can take the other position too, and I will here in a minute. But if I'm pushing this, I would say, all right, so we can all agree that we have known for years and years and years, and tobacco companies knew even years and years and years and years before that, that cigarettes and tobacco use cause, uh, cigarettes and tobacco use causes cancer. Those, that, those things cause cancer. I mean, we can all agree on that. Correct. 100%. Those things have... In other words, carcinogens, carcinogens in them, right? Not yes. the nicotine yes. that's in them. Um, and it's not the nicotine that's in them that causes the cancer. Everybody's going to say yes to that. It is, however, the nicotine that is very addictive. In fact, one of the most addictive substances on the planet. We can all agree on that. Yes. yes. Um, so you created a delivery system for nicotine, if you're a tobacco company, that at the same time addicts people and makes them want it, want it, want it, causes cancer, cancer, cancer. And then it has now been exposed that the, the tobacco industry knew that that was going on and continued to market it and bury the studies that would have said, yes, this will kill you. Um, and now we would all certainly agree that all I have to do if I want a cigarette is go purchase a pack of them at my local gas station, convenience store, grocery store, uh, sometimes even cigarette machines still I see around, right? I mean, huh. those, those things still around? They're still there. Now, if I didn't want to smoke it because I found that offensive or others would find that offensive, I might decide to chew it. And uh, I could spit in a little cup. I could spend my days doing that. I could try to hide that and conceal a little more. And we would also still all agree with all of the above. We would say, yes, 
that product still causes cancer, that product still contains all the same carcinogens that it did before it was exposed, and that product is still readily available on the market. All right, so that's sort of set of questions number one. We'll put that in the first basket. Second basket, we now have vape, right? right. Yep. Vape. And many people uh, have been able to stop smoking cigarettes because of vape. Yes. Stop using chewing tobacco because of vape. Yes. Um, vape does not have the carcinogens, at least the same known ones, that cigarettes have. Yes. And studies, I think, have shown, we quoted some of these last time, uh, although funded perhaps by vape folks, um, there are studies that I was quoted in England where my source would say, let me just take a quick aside here. My source would say this, look, it, it is sort of known in the scientific area that maybe if you're going to get a real reliable source, you don't do it in the United States because all the agendas that people have from the financial potential for financial gain. Fair enough. Uh, so, but in England, it was decided that it was a it was a significantly safe alternative, safer alternative to smoking. In other words, it doesn't cause cancer and other problems at the same rate in the same way that cigarettes do. Right? We all agree with that, right? Yes. All right. Now there is a. This is what this is. This is the irony that I struggle with. Now we have Gottlieb saying he very well may ban vape if teen use continues at the rate, the 3% rate apparently, uh, that, it is being, that is being used. And he may just get rid of it. So we could very well be left with a scenario where people can, where tobacco, which has increased in usage up and down over the years, but is sort of consistently sold and used in our country, is permitted. But vaping, which has been linked to nothing, is not. Now, our FDA Commissioner Gottlieb is leaving. He is leaving. I'm not sure who the replacement is going to be, if they've repl- picked a replacement yet or not. I think he's probably got, I think, till the end of this month, hmm. and he will be gone. I, he is, he's walking away from, from his, his position. So, and I find that, once again, in my conspiracy mind, very odd to down to the, the, the sales of the jewel to Big Tobacco. Yeah, we set all this up last time like, without a whole lot of concealment right i mean it's like yes. big tobacco is is set to take over uh with the jewels and with everything else and uh so I, I i really wonder if if really this is a this is by some design to uh create just more market space and uh for for that in maybe nefarious ways or maybe not i don't know um but it just seems so ironic to me that we have a product out here that people have used to stop smoking cigarettes and using tobacco. This this is like... What we've seen at our store as well is people that had smoked, I mean, I'm talking 40 years, 20 wow. years, long, long time, that had tried to quit. And they've used the gum, they've used the patch, they've gone to a hypnotist, they've gone... And they'll come into and they're like, well, I've tried everything. And I said, nothing's worked. And it will, it's amazing. Like within one week, people will come back and they'll be like, this was the easiest thing I've ever done. Well, it's because they're getting the same drug. It's just a different delivery system, right? I mean, it's like changing brands of caffeine or changing brands of coffee. I mean, it's just, it's like, you want dark coffee or do you want to drink iced tea? You know, what, what are you going to do? And it, the, the difference is it doesn't have all the chemical carcinogens, or at least that we know are in tobacco, are not in vape. No, it's kind of like going from getting your caffeine from like regular pop to going with 
tea. You know, it doesn't have all the sugar and all that good stuff. Yeah, in that's it. a good. Yeah. That's a, that's a that's a sort of a good uh, analogy. Is that you? If you normally drink Mountain Dew yeah. or some uh, something with a lot of sugar in it, and a lot of other stuff in it, and uh, now you're taking no dose or just a, a straight caffeine pill. Yeah. Uh, to try to quit, then you know th- that's the difference, right? You're still getting the drug that addicted it, uh-huh. that got you addicted in the first place. You're just getting it delivered in a different way, and that's. You know that that's really the rub. So the question would be harm reduction. Yeah, this well, is a harm reduction. If you're drinking Mountain Dew, there's more chances of harm going to your body than if you drink the tea. See, absolutely, I don't need to go that far though. I mean, I, I I'm not disagreeing with you, but I don't think I need to go that far to get to this logical inconsistency, which is this: How on earth can we permit, as a society, a product that is known and proven to addict people? and cause cancer, and at the same time prohibit one that has no such studies that delivers the same addictive drug. So this addictive drug can be delivered with a whole host of known carcinogens. This addictive drug, which is, or the same addictive drug, can be delivered in a different way. We're not quite sure about it yet, but we do know that it doesn't have these carcinogens in it, and it doesn't really cause popcorn lung, or at least never has. Um, how can we get to a place where that makes sense in our world. Now, that's it, you don't have to say that one is safer than the other. You just have to say it doesn't make any sense at all. Correct. Because <clears throat> the FDA no. can. They do have the power. The leader could wake up one morning if he wanted to and say, you know what? E-cigarettes are done. And, and that would be shocking to me if that happens because of that logical inconsistency. Now, my response, is gonna, my response on the other side would be, well, look, just because we have – we have screwed up and paved the way for one horrible product, and we can't quite get rid of that one because of the power of various things that are in place. That doesn't mean we need to permit another one, um, which is the counter argument. And and you know that may have some fanfare, except I just in this situation, eh, I just don't. I, I don't think the government ought to be involved in any of it um, to the extent that if they're going to if they're going to permit one, then they need to do it consistently. Otherwise, get out of it completely. And either permit or prohibit both. I mean, I, I don't. The liquids right now are not being made in somebody's basement, in somebody's bathtub, in, you know, I mean, in who knows where and with what, who knows what chemicals. All right. So the lab guy we talked to, he tests his product before he mixes with it just to make sure that it's not diluted with water, to make sure that everything he ordered is in there. So once he gets a new batch of flavoring, once he gets a new batch of VG and PG, he sends that out to a third party. They test it. It's all good. I can start manufacturing my product. You remove this, then you just open up the bathtubs and the basements and the back alley deals. Yeah. Well, that's what we're talking about, right? So you're not going to get rid of this product. This product exists. It's on the market. It's been created. Humans have created it. We're extremely resilient in uh, in creating and maintaining the use of things we want to use, whether they're permitted or not permitted by whatever government we have chosen to live under. And uh, I can't imagine for even a second that if somebody wants to vape, after the government would choose to outlaw it, that they wouldn't still be doing it. I mean, people are making meth in their basements. They're going to make vape. People are making alcohol in the hills of wherever. Oh, yeah. They're going to make vape. I mean, there's a product when it first came out, people called them mods, right? Oh, yeah. And the reason that it got the name of mod is from modification. Because at one point during this, people were modifying flashlights and making vaporizers out of flashlights. Yeah. So that's where the term mod came from. So once again, 
you ban it, shut it down. You go buy a flashlight. You get you. You, you can you can well, you can build all of this no problem. And they're not going to be able to. So here's the other end of it, and this is an interesting end of it because for the last I don't know how many years of my adult life, I have walked into various shops. Some might call them head shops. Some might call them uh, gift shops, or you might call them smoke shops, or whatever you're going to call them. But you go in there, and I've never seen anybody smoke tobacco out of a four-foot graphics <laughs> water bong. You, know? you have to leave the store, sir. Yeah. This is a water pipe. Yeah. You just said bong. We're going to need you to leave the store. Yeah, so I, I've never seen that. I do that. Um, <laughs> so, nor out of like a fancy skeleton pipe. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, hey, man, what you doing? I oh, just smoking my cigarette this morning, you know, <laughs> getting my tobacco. I used to roll my own, now I just put it in this pipe. You know, so I guess the point is, like, these the, the, the gadgetry will still be there. Correct. It'll still be out there. Now, what are they going to use it for? Tobacco. You know, or, or maybe they'll just start calling it something, or the, or or we, or marijuana, or uh, CBD, or something. So it's like you're not ever, they're not going to get rid of it, right? That You can't put the toothpaste back in the proverbial tube here. I mean, this is done. You've got customers like me, people that have smoked for 40 years, that have been coming in, and they've been now vaping for a number of years. FDA, wake up, it's done. They're not going to go buy a flashlight and some wire and build this, right? What do you think they're going to do if they can't come to my store? Well, they're going to do one of two things. Either they're, First, they're going to use the rest of the supply. Yes. Then if they want us, if they, they are going to resist going back to the old faithful, probably by the Internet at first, maybe even overseas Internet, and when and if that fails, they're going to uh, the local gas station and they're picking up a pack of cigarettes. I mean, this stuff, it's, it's, this seems like fundamental to we me. We have customers that I firmly believe that if it was shut down today, they wouldn't, that haven't had a cigarette. They, they come in proud, too. A oh, lot yeah. of times they come they in, do. they're like this, especially at the beginning, three months, six, two years, and multiple years. I, and I know multiple of them would just walk straight over to the gas station, me included. Oh, yeah. Sure he doesn't want to hear that. Well, see, here's what's interesting. I, I if to those who know or don't know, I get or those who know, don't know, I quit drinking alcohol uh, now, what, almost three and a half years ago. And in that process, I did tons and tons of reading and research on alcohol, what it did to our bodies, how it affected us, what it was. And there was all sorts of things about it that were surprising to me, um, none of which should have been, but they were. Uh, and, and one of the things is I stumbled upon a list of really, really addictive things. So stuff on our planet that we see daily that are the most addictive things. And in some order that depended on where I read, on that list was um, sugar, caffeine, alcohol, uh, cocaine, um, opiates, of course, and nicotine. I mean, in, in Invariably, those there was some other stuff that sort of uh, sure. uh, that could make the top ten or whatever that list was, but um, nicotine is always on it. And and part of my research revealed what that does and and how how that works. It is really really powerful to get addicted to those things, and that's it's no no secret why it's difficult to stop. And look at anybody who knows anybody on opiates, what that drug has made them do to get it. Look at anybody. Who ever knew somebody who ran out of cigarettes on Christmas? Hmm. <laughs> there's a, there's a notorious story from my family's past. Right, an uncle who, who I guess thought he was getting from his kids a carton of cigarettes for Christmas, but lo and behold, they had gotten him candy cigarettes and they weren't real. 
And I guess, you know, he didn't have any. And it was like this big, you know, he made a stink, had this, t- I mean, the, the, the story probably got better over the years. But I guess the point is people, like people are going to get that drug one way or another, or they're going to make a choice not to use it anymore and go through the withdrawal and deal with whatever they have to deal with. But uh, like any of those other substances, if you take away one delivery system or make it unlawful, they're still going to get it. Um, or they're going to have to choose to quit. Just ask anybody who has gone through any addiction. I mean, that's just that's just how it works. So tell me I'm not getting my coffee tomorrow. We got a problem. Going to have a problem. We're going to have You're a big gonna problem. You're going to find coffee. I am going to get my ass up and find a cup of coffee. I've done this on vacation time and time again where I think I can get in a hotel room. It turns out they didn't replace a little freaking basket. And I'm starting to walk around. It's 5 in the morning because I get up early and they don't have it in the hotel. I'm pissed. I'm knocking on the doors of, of the of the office and saying, "Hey, look, I, who's making coffee?" And I'm sitting there watching a lady. She's coming out. I get the buy me some coffee. You know, it's <laughs> like they, they got the breakfast bar, and I'm sitting there staring at it, thinking, "All right." And then this happened on my vacation. I, I'm staring at the person in Jamaica making the coffee. It's four thirty in the morning, my time when I get up, and uh, it was actually four when I got up, and I waited till four thirty to go down, figuring, "All right, they probably got it going." Well, they filled up the big coffee jug or decanter. Uh, that was for everybody, or for like in the, the bakery area that everybody could walk through. And I'd go get myself a cup. It's cold. So they, then they turned on the little things under it, the burners under it to try to heat it. And I'm just like, this is insanity. <laughs> I waited for an hour for coffee and it's cold. Like I know what that feels like. To, and that's just, that's just a harmless caffeine addiction. Imagine if it were a nicotine addiction, Where what I would have to do. Well, caffeine, you know, and we talked about alcohol. And, and one big thing that they keep fighting on this is if the popcorn alum doesn't work, it's you're pushing it to kids, the kids, the kids, the kids. All right. That, now, they're going to get traction with that. Well, what about the bubblegum vodka? I remember mm-hmm. in, in the late 90s, whenever you, like, uh, I think it was Absolute came out with the limon. They had a lemon-flavored vodka. And that was, like, big news. Everybody, that was back whenever you did a lemon drops. Make it with the lemon, you know, the lemon absolute. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> right now, you go into the vodka section in a liquor store, <sighs> chocolate, bubble gum, oh, Skittles. Yeah. I mean, they got Mountain Dew. Yeah. And, and it's like, so they're not promoting this to any kids? And the first time I ever tasted any bubble gum vodka, I was like this, get out of here. It tasted, it didn't taste like alcohol. It didn't even like seem to burn. It was just delicious. Well, I got a couple comments on this. I mean, first, it is, uh, you're absolutely 100% correct. And and how many times have you been uh, talking about drinking, particularly in your youth or my youth, I'll just use me as an example, where I would hear somebody say, this stuff's awesome, man. You can't even taste the alcohol. So you, like everybody says, oh, this is really good quality, whatever it would be. You know, this is like $400 a bottle, this scotch, you know, it's like you're drinking now. They're getting their alcohol, you can taste that. And then the other person's like, oh, I'll drink this. this. is a sex on the beach. Can't even taste the alcohol. It's awesome. And you're drinking 20, you know, whatever it would be. The point is, is that it is a product that is that is poisonous to you. It is being flavored and disguised in a way so you can consume it. And it gets you addicted to it, right? I mean, that, that's what alcohol does. It's sort of like caffeine. It's sort of like nicotine. Now, I will caution you, though. One of my least favorite arguments is that somebody else is doing it, so I should be able to do it too. Both are still bad, right? So if if, if alcohol is being marketed to kids, um, then I think it's hardly a defense to say that we should be able to do that too or it's okay that we do it. Now, I don't think that's what you're saying. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying yeah. why are you finger-pointing out Correct. One, one area? Let's call out everybody. Yes. If we're going to call out people, let's call out everybody. And I think here's your next argument. Let's look at what people are doing. 
So you, if, if the vape industry is marketing to kids, I would say that would happen in several different ways. I mean, one would be like the kitty flavors. Uh, the other would be advertising and or uh, marketing uh, directed specifically to get kids. Now, alcohol is notorious for doing this. Cigarettes were notorious for doing this with the Marlboro man being the cool guy, um, you know, or the guy smoking the cigarettes being cool and whatever. Um, and, and so I guess if I'm the vape industry offering some defense to this, I would be very cautious about those things. And and I think your shop is. I mean, you guys ID everybody. You're, you're very uh-huh. conscious of that stuff. And uh, you want to make sure that you're not selling or marketing to kids, even turning them away. But this is one of those things where the values of the whole industry, it may behoove everybody to take a similar stance. Now, I'm not aware. I don't see TV commercials with vape. I, I don't. I, I don't watch much TV anymore, but uh, I've not heard any radio commercials, not heard any TV commercials. Um, you know, we have- Other uh, than print? Yeah, that's- and, 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 well, there is social media. The social media aspect is is very large, and that's 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 where a lot of the advertising will go. Are we seeing it in uh, TV shows, movies, that kind of thing yet? It's come I'll, around few a few TV shows. Really, the way where I see actually most references to vaping, other than social media, is actually uh, streaming services, because when streaming services like Hulu and Netflix and stuff like that, well, not Netflix, but Hulu specifically, I've seen vape ads because they don't have the same guidelines that other broadcast companies have because they're basically just like an internet streaming service. So I have seen Jewel ads, and I've seen a few other company ads on Hulu specifically. Well, I mean, John, you're what, 28? 28. And you say, Jared, five years ago. So you're 23, and give yourself another couple years. So about 21 when the vaping thing hit. Yeah, that's when I really first became aware of vaping as a whole, and that was the little e-cigalites is what the industry calls them. Yeah. Um, And... What was your take on it? I mean, do you think, well, these things are really cool. I'm going to start using it. It might be too early to really get the full frontal effect of people walking around with the vaping devices at that point. But Well, when I first saw the vape devices, I thought this is an interesting piece of technology that's in its infancy because it really was at the time. Uh, keep in mind, I also didn't start smoking until I was about 21. So I was really just getting into it and... After smoking for a few years, that's when I was like, okay, and like e-cigs became a little bit more commonplace. I knew people that had them more, so that's when I was more willing to try them. But no, like 21, when I was 21, it was definitely in its infancy. Now, I'm seeing people, even adults uh, that I know um, that are starting vaping, and I don't know that they ever smoked. Now, maybe they did secretly, and I just didn't know. Uh, That could be. I mean, there's a lot of people that, that do that, but... Uh, I think people are starting to pick it up as, as sort of a uh, on their own. You know, they're, they're doing it ab initio, so they're starting with vape, not cigarettes and going to vapes. And I think that's inevitable, and that's going to be part of the industry that is, that's going to have to be, you know, the industry's going to have to deal with that, right? I mean, it's going to addict people and get people started. And uh, I, I don't, I think if I'm defending the industry either directly, indirectly, um, or otherwise, uh, I would want to craft some response to that, and it would probably be like, well, look, these are adults that are free to choose what they want to do. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not targeting people to do it. Uh, and this is back to the, wait, you too, or me too, or whatever the movie. You know, it's like you can't say that why outlaw us when others are permitted that is an inconsistent and unfair government intervention. And that's got to be the uh, that's got to be the response. But the same time, I would want, if I'm advising the industry, I would want to be very cautious about everything out there 
that could even be remotely perceived as targeting underage kids because that's going to be the takedown, right? With, and that is the takedown. And whenever you're doing refiling, uh, before I'd said that you had to change your label, they did come up with a certain period of time that if you had, because there's, like I say, it's easy to make the fruit flavors and, and to make cereal because we have those flavors to use. So, and hey, you know what I mean? I'm 44 years old. I was in Kroger's the other day and I was like, I saw a bag of Skittles. I was like, man, that looks good. But I'm over 12. I can't buy them. Shoot. You know, I mean, I know grandmother's houses that bowls of candy all over. Trust me, sugar, people like sweet things, especially a sweet thing without the sugar in it. It's there for them. <clears throat> so they were allowing people to change their labels, to take off the cartoons, to take off the, you know, uh, they, they said, okay, at first you couldn't change your label. Now we don't want anything to promote to kids. And that came down to a bowl of fruit. If there's a bowl of fruit on the front of your label, they want that gone. At one point in time, me and John were sitting around and we were creating new flavor lines and product. <laughs> yeah. And we had a great idea. I mean, it really was great. We can't use it. And it was, it was a um, Vaporcade. Yep. It was instead of an arcade, uh, seven arcade. Oh, the Vaporcade. Yeah. Okay, it's the Vaporcade. You know what I mean? You got like Pac-Man and, uh-huh. and Vape Invaders and, and with these different flavors. And I was like, man, the box could kind of like look like a, like a stand-up yeah. video game, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they'd be like, you're marketing to kids. Well, let's do a rerun on that. If you were a kid in 1980, you are hip to nostalgia right now. Yeah. Okay, and now you are now 28, 30 years old. 38 years old that is a part of your nostalgia is to go to go to you remember you used to play the video games oh yeah you know i mean I, we both had talks and other shows about video games oh, yeah. and we weren't talking about home consoles no you're talking about the cabinets I'm, I'm talking about when you went to the arcade yeah and so if a lot of people saw an old arcade box that reminded them of when they were a kid it doesn't remind them of when they smoked when they were a kid. It reminds them of something that they did that found enjoyment to. So it doesn't mean I'm marketing to the kids. It means I'm marketing to nostalgia. Now, we're not doing that. It doesn't exist. Although we wrote it down, came up with some bottle flavors. That's right, Mighty Mighty Sellers. Perhaps a lesson from Big Tobacco might be worth learning. They got stripped of their rights to advertise. They got stripped of their rights to print to radio, to TV, to anything at all, all of it, they still sell their product like gangbusters. Yeah. Their product on the label does not say arcade, it, and, and I get your argument. It's a great argument, and I like it, actually. It's sort of interesting. but That uh, was come up just to be competitive because even oh, the I, older people in the sales, I'm going to tell you, the boxes that look like, and this isn't to children. They're not coming to my store. No. This would jump out to people's eyes and the colors, and they wanted to grab it, you know? And that's where we were going with it. We never once thought, hey, we would like to get some kids into our store. No, because I kick every kid that comes in out. <laughs> right now, we talked earlier about the age difference in the areas, mm-hmm. okay? And where we're at in Westerville, Columbus, you got to remember, is no longer. Now it's 21 and up. Uh, the UDF that sells the jewel have made it a corporate policy to be 21 and over. So even though they're in Westerville and you can be 18 years old to buy a pack of cigarettes, you will not buy a pack of cigarettes 18 years old at UDF in Westerville because they have took it upon themselves as a company mandate to, to go to that. In that, we have had an influx 
of new customers. Mm -hmm. Now, as a business owner, you'd think that would make me ecstatic and happy. I'm going to have to say this. It does not. To where you've said it before, you asked about the 21 and over. And once again, I don't, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. Um, I am really not going to lose any sleep if they say it's 21 and over. No. As a matter of fact, we're all going to probably breathe a sigh of relief from these kids that want to come in and complain. And you said stores have been closing. And you'd asked me about that. I didn't go into it too deep. I believe a lot of it was poor management. Yep. I do believe a lot of it was they aren't making the money they used to. I believe a lot of it is they didn't hold the proper inventory or had the right product. So we've got customers that come into a store that closed down nearby us. And they literally, when they closed down, they left a note on their door saying, go to Advanced Vapor in Westerville, which thank you guys. Appreciate that. Definitely. They would come over and we have a number of them. They're like, well, I'd be able to get that down there for $5. And we'd be like, well, I'm sure you, you could. Not here. Do you know why you can't get it for $5 now? Because <laughs> they were buying it for $3 and selling it to you for $5. And by the time they had to pay their employee and their lights and their insurance and, the, you know, and, and you go through multiple things onto that, just a day-to-day running operation of a business, they were unable to keep the doors open. Yeah. yeah. They were unable to keep inventory in the house. And that is one big thing on it. So now we've got an influx of new customers which I'm happy to, to, to speak to them all, talk to them all, and help them out with their goals. But whenever you get the kids coming in, and that's another great thing, I love it when John's there because they like they, they travel in packs, and one might be 18 and 16 and a 17-year-old. So it's like this, out. Yeah. You know, and then uh, whenever you get a one buddy looking at a product and tell his other friend to walk up and buy it, then I've seen it before. We're like, maybe we didn't ID him because they sat down. And I'm not going to, you know, if a parent brings in a child, and by the law, if a parent brings in, let's say you're 16, 15 years old, like by law, you can take your son Drew to a vape store and or to uh, UDF and buy him cigarettes or buy him this mm-hmm. right in front of us. Or, or you know, that is legal. Yeah. That can be done. Um even on that, we do not allow them to try any flavors Correct. or go anything through with that. Um, actually, I, I, I don't really talk to the children. Nope. I don't talk to the kids. I talk to the parents, and the parents are the only ones, and the money's coming out of their hand, and the product's going into their hand. Yeah. Even though I could do it a different way, I'm not looking for the younger crowd in there. Yep. And I, you know, and I think that is... I think that's a testament to what you're trying to do. I think that's a testament to the goals that you guys set when you started the store. And I would hope that that is going to be a the reason that you have longevity in the industry. But I, I, I guess if I had to sum this all up, and I know we did promise we would talk about marijuana and CBD, but I think that's going to be in part three. Um, but if, if I had to sum this all up on the vape industry, I, I find a lot of stuff ironic. I find it ironic that they have – they being the federal government, has created a regulatory scheme that is uh, completely and totally unworkable. Um, in other words, for the average uh, business or business person in this industry, they're not going to be able to meet the, the regulatory costs. Uh, so that is effectively putting people out of business. Uh, secondly, it's created a scheme that even if you could stay in business, it is frozen in time all the creative uh, aspects of, of the product. In other words, you're not going to get any new, better product if you have made it impossible and too expensive uh, to get it registered. 
Um, third, there is blowback about vape at the same time uh, cigarettes are still being sold freely. And not to say that if just because cigarettes are bad or cigarettes are bad and they're sold, so you should this is bad, this should be sold. But to say that if you're going to regulate these industries, you should at least understand and do it equally. And um, by understand, I mean understand that these are related industries. I mean, if you've got somebody who is vaping and they stop, whether they started uh, just with vapor or they started with cigarettes and they stop, the nature of nicotine, in my humble opinion, will drive them somewhere either to suffer the I'm not going to have this drug anymore problem or go to another delivery system, which is cigarettes or tobacco. Mm -hmm. Um, And to say that you're going to take a one substance that people are using to get off another substance and get rid of it uh, just because uh, kids are picking it up, I think there's a better solution. Um, Knowing full well that the the big the look the perfect solution is get rid of both things completely, but that's like the well, utopian that, gun control that's the solution. Thing. If you're going to get rid, if you're going to get rid of the one, if you're going to get rid of the vape. Yeah. You have to get rid of the cigarettes. Yeah, get rid of all of it, right? You so, have to get rid of all of it, and, and it's inconsistent to do anything other than that. So, and and I guess the other little piece of irony is this popcorn lung condition. The same drug that causes or the same chemical causing popcorn lung is in cigarettes. Uh, yet in a higher, m- in a way, way higher volume. Higher. Yeah, along with like. 2,999 other chemicals that don't <laughs> exist in the vape. And uh, there's not been one case of popcorn lung there. There's not been one case of popcorn lung that I was able to find uh, because of vape. Uh, so I, I think that's sort of a, uh, your people are chasing ghosts on that one. And then uh, you've just got this Wild West scenario where uh, the enemies are at the gate, right? I mean, it's like you got the, you can just see big tobacco standing at the gates of Canada ready to come down and oh, yeah. and just unleash their product on everybody and everything they can get. So be careful what you wish for, I guess, if I'm talking to the public good, because, you know, they're not going to go away anymore. The big tobacco, or tobacco companies aren't going away anymore than they did 20 years ago when it was all came unraveled that way. So, um, and then you've always got the overseas market that is not going away under any circumstance, no, I don't think, no. at least not in our lifetimes. But anyway, that is, uh, that's interesting stuff, man. I mean, I, I think, um, I, I, I think seeing how this unfolds, we're at the wild, wild west of a, of a, of a product. And, uh, I will be very curious to see how it unfolds. We get a lot of perspective. We get a lot of, uh, questions. And since I've uh, been down here in the 511 studios in the podcast world, I've put a little bit more weight on my crew and the mighty, mighty John Sellers over here. <laughs> so when people come in, what do you feel that their most biggest confusion or, or what do you? What do I? Well, really, when somebody's coming in for the first time, I will use that for example. The general perspective of it is they always ask, usually they ask about, what's this I hear about popcorn lung? Is like this going to get me popcorn lung and stuff like this? Is this like the jewels? There's just a lot of questions about what exactly we're selling is because there's a lot of spreading of fear, but there's not a lot of actual information being put out there. And when you have a lack of information and you're just, you know, spraying about fear, well, people are going to be afraid of a product. We have binders, and I find articles, and I've yeah, done it multiple times. Absolutely. I find articles, and I lay them out, and I have everybody, or I'll print it out. I have everybody read it, go through it. We've got a binder that sits in the side with all the information that we have found for people to read through. Mm-hmm. When they come in, it's it's easy because we don't we don't want to pressure anybody into buying anything. There's, no. There's, there's a no-pressure sale that's going on in here. It's more of the education and helping you walk through and letting you make your own decision. 
Correct. Yeah, I mean, form. You, look, you've got a product that sells itself on some yes. level, right? You have an addictive drug that you're selling. I mean, let's just call it what it is, and people yeah. are going to want it, and they're going to buy it somewhere. They're going to get it somehow, and what you're doing is giving them help in getting whatever that is. So, uh, you know, there's, there's no reason, in other words, to go cram this down in anybody's throat, particularly not kids. No. And uh, I, I guess if I'm giving legal advice to anybody about this stuff, I would say, I, you know, all you can do is your own research on this. So if somebody wants to come in and get this, I would say, do it at your own risk, man. I mean, uh, do your research, do whatever. I'm not going to tell you it causes or doesn't cause popcorn lung. Um, you have to figure that out on your own. That's how I, that's how I would take that. But either way, I guess my final takeaway would, it's still this. I'm not advocating vape. I'm not advocating against it. I just see it for what it is, right? It's a delivery system for nicotine that is an alternative to cigarettes. I mean, that, that to me is what it is. Uh, I do not want my kids using cigarettes. I do not want my kids vaping. I do not want my kids, whether even if vape is 100% safe, um, even if it's good for you, I think they can live without it, right? Why would I want yeah. them to, to learn to get- I believe in America, though, brother. <laughs> I believe in America, and that's what this is, and that gives you the freedom of your choice to make. Abs- oh, look, I, I, you could not be preaching to a bigger choir here. I think it is not what those are making it out to be. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. I think it is not a cigarette by any means, um, not even close. And uh, I'm if somebody can point me a case of popcorn lung from vaping and or smoking, I am more than curious about that. I mean, I, I just my sources and my my Google skills did not uh, unearth it. But the they, American tobacco industry makes in a year the current market sales estimated between 117 and 120 billion dollars for 2018. Uh, if the American vape industry makes by in August 2018 was estimated at 6.6 billion, that's roughly 5.6 percent of big tobacco sales. No, that's something, isn't it? That is. All right. Well, we got one more part. Maybe two. We might have one to two because we definitely have multiple things that I would like to open up people's eyes on that I need my eyes opened up on mm-hmm. from messages I get to product that I should sell and product that is being sold and can you sell it and where is it at and what is going to be the end result, which we won't have that answer. Yep. We have danced around uh, CBD. We've given our input on the farm bill. We've given our input on Ohio. There's been some new developments in Ohio. We're going to get to that maybe even uh, next time. Uh, but uh, s- stay tuned. That is, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, that's going to be, man, that's such a unique product too. It's like, it's sort of like vape in the sense that it's not quite marijuana, just like vape is not quite cigarettes or not even yeah. close. Um, CBD is regulated in a way that marijuana isn't like more, you know, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a, yet you don't get high from it. Uh, you've got uh, CBD that everybody touts it as, as this wonder drug. How much of that, I guess, remains to be seen. Uh, And then you've got the same sort of juxtaposition between the federal courts and the state courts. And the Farm Bill in the federal courts has created a regulatory scheme that the state courts can scab scab off on, but then it comes down to who's supplying. There's there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. We're going to get to all that and much, much more as Lawyer Talk continues into the 2019 future. And if you can't wait for more information, please stop by Advanced Vapor in Westerville, 536 South State Street. Come on by. It's what all the cool adults are doing. It's true. And if you got questions, come on in. Get to see the mighty sellers. Get to see how mighty I, I may, am. <laughs> I may be there, or I may be in the basement of the Five One One Studios. <laughs> Pick up a Coca Cola. Test out your favorite flavor. There you go.
All right. Well, uh, this is Lawyer Talk once again off the record, uh, once again on the air, and once again until now.